Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. We are uh, back, Project Quantum Leap. Here to discuss another episode of our favorite television show of all time. That's all I've got, really. I'm just, like, <laughs> I'm just trying to think. I, never mind. Anyway, it feels like it's been a while since we've recorded an episode proper. Uh, last week, or a couple weeks ago, we recorded our interview with Jean-Pierre Dorleac. Yes, yes indeed. So, and, uh, but it's been a couple weeks since we've recorded. I mean, it's, probably been, it's probably been almost a month. I'm close. Since you and I sat in a room and talked about Quantum Leap. Yeah, well, here we go. I know, right? Uh, so today we are talking about Leaping in Without a Net. Full disclosure, like we do, we're recording two episodes at once. So uh, Leaping in Without a Net and then next week's episode, Maybe Baby. So covering these episodes. These are interesting for me. We're talking about this off mic. Beforehand is that Pool Hall Blues was my first full episode watching Quantum Leap, like catching it like on the air in real time as a kid. So these two episodes were like, these are my first episodes. Yeah, they were. Yeah, that's and that's these, these were my first dates, right? With Quantum Leap, which is very interesting to me because I have to be honest, I, 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 I can vaguely remember watching Leaping In Without a Net. I mean, because again, I was young, I was sure. like nine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I recall with Maybe Baby, and I'll talk about this more in the next episode. I recall seeing part of it, but I don't think I saw the full episode until I caught it in reruns on USA in like 95, 96, somewhere around there. Sure. So it's it's interesting because I, I do remember part of it, but I don't remember all of it. So when you watch the episodes, year. like when you watch the first run, did you actually watch them like live when they aired or did you tape them and go back and watch them? I watched them live later. when they aired. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, if I missed like I did not see every single episode as it aired, but I, I know I missed a couple here and there especially in the later seasons. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, the, the I didn't start taping them until they were on USA. Sure, okay. Because yeah. we had one TV in our house, and so most of the times it was taping them on VCR because Dad was watching whatever he wanted to watch, and then I would go back and watch them sure. the next day or whatever. So uh, we, had, we had two TVs um, when it first started airing. And there was one, like, in the living room, family room, and then we had one in the den. And the den TV was the TV that also had the Nintendo on it. So the den TV was kind of like my sister's, and I, you know, it was like mm-hmm. our TV. So, um, so yeah, that was the one that I watched most episodes on. I can remember seeing a few of them in the family room. Like, mm-hmm. played against Seymour, I remember specifically watching in the family room. Sure. I know that's a silly thing to remember, but I do. Mm-hmm. And then... I don't remember, I think it was because I was sick or something, there was a small TV that we had that my parents put in my bedroom, and they never took it out. So I had a TV in my bedroom, you know, when I was like 9 or 10. Sure. And then I had a TV in my bedroom until I, you know, left the house. So, yeah. Yeah. It ruined my childhood, clearly. Because yeah. now I have a <laughs> right. podcast. We have, yeah. We have, yeah. <laughs> well, let's dive in. Leaping in without a net. Yes. Directed by Christopher T. Welch. It's the uh, third of four episodes for him. He also uh, directed Her Charm, Good Night, Dear Heart, and would go on to do uh, Miss Deep South. 
written by Tommy Thompson. First of many episodes. 13 episodes, yeah. Both of these, the director and the writer, did end up working as producers on the show throughout season three and four, apparently, mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, this is his first of 13. Um, did a lot of others. Uh, sure. Our air date is March 28th, 1990. Leap date, November 18th, 1958. And Sam is leapt into Victor Panzini. And they are in Colorado, somewhere in Colorado. No, uh, actually, uh, later in the episode, they are in Colorado. They're in Denver, yeah. They, uh, the first part of the episode, they are in Buckstooth, Iowa. Buckstooth, Iowa. Because I don't know how I um, missed that. It's, it's a, a blink-and-you-miss-it moment, like when they do the first introduction mm-hmm. of the, the first act early in the episode, Big Mo standing in the middle of the thing. He says... Uh, right. Because he introduces the one dancer, and he says, here, and... Buckstooth, Iowa, all the way from yada yada yada, yeah. and I had to rewind it twice last night to uh, to catch that last night. By well, the way, kudos to you for doing yeah, that. By the way, once again, let me throw out a bitch at Mill Creek for not <laughs> having subtitles on the movies. Yeah, because that's how I watch them. And I know uh, one of our listeners, Dana, she she has brought that up before. Now in our household, most of our TV watching happens after our son has gone to bed. And we kind of have a small place, so we keep the TV kind of relatively quiet. And so to help us out, we have subtitles permanently turned on everything yeah. that we watch now. Mostly it's uh, Netflix now, because right now we're jumping between uh, Cheers and Santa Clarita Diet. Nice. Uh, actually, I think when we get in tonight, we're going to watch the season. I need to take a bite out of that the, one. The, the, ooh, oh. yeah. Uh, when we get in tonight, we're going to watch the season two finale of Santa Clarita Diet. We're going to nice. be completely caught up. But we watch it with subtitles now, like it's... It's become so automatic, like, I don't even, like, fully consciously register the subtitles yeah. until they're missing. Right, sure. Which they are last night. We were watching these episodes, hence why I had to, re- like, rewind twice last night to catch where they were in the first part of the episode. Yeah, I totally get that. Because especially, you know, um, I, I own a lot of foreign films, and there will be times when I'll sit down and watch, like, you know, two or three in an afternoon and do that over a weekend. And so I've just become accustomed to reading, you know, sure. the subtitles for these films and then uh, and then I'll watch something without them and it is a little you're you're you're, you're jarred. You but, can use it, yeah. But most importantly, like you mentioned, I think that the impact that that has on any, you know, hearing impaired viewers of Quantum Leap is huge and and, and that's something that I think that just for you know, diversity, equity and inclusion, I mean, it's the type of thing that that any producer uh, of mm. Blu-ray or, or DVD or, or any streaming media should absolutely be conscious of the fact yeah. that there should be, you know, you should have yeah. closed captioning or subtitles. Yeah, And it can't be that difficult because I think it's on the DVD releases, just not on the Blu-ray. Anyway, so let's dive in. TV guide description. Sam, Scott Bakula, leaps into a trapeze artist with the greatest of ease, but things get mm. difficult very quickly as he must prevent his sister from having a fatal fall and a death-defying stunt. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. They got the little greatest of ease thing in there. Yeah, the thing in there. Yeah. Uh, Copywriters for TV Guide on point as usual. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, Sam leaps in and he is upside down, swinging back and forth. Yeah. How incredibly terrifying would that be? You know, like... So, yeah, so first off, uh, so we learned in this episode that that Sam is afraid of heights. Right, which is First off, being upside down. Because, and it's something that Matt mentions in his book about what price Gloria, but the first thing that popped out in my mind was actually Disco Inferno, because I'm like, dear God, he has to do the stunt in um, uh, the Earthquake movie. Sure. 
He is adequately terrified. Yes. In Inferno. What price Gloria? Because I thought about that, and I give it a pass because... Uh, in the moment... Yeah. Having to save Gloria from the ledge... Right. That kind of trumps everything else. Which, and, and to be fair, they're not you know as high up either. Absolutely. And, and for me, it's... Because I have a fear of heights, but... It depends on the situation. Totally. I'm like, the same way, yeah. I can go up the Sears Tower or the Willis Tower. I can do that. I can go like the thing like stepping out on the ledge on the clear floor. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Been out to Vegas twice. I love going up on the stratosphere. Have you done that? No. Out there? That is so amazing because they have the, the, the needle, which yeah. does the opposite. Usually like the, the needle like it lifts you up and then it drops you. Yeah. The needle out there, like you start at the bottom and then when it goes, it just... Wow. Straight, I mean, you just straight up in the air, and then as you come back down, for a couple of seconds, you lose contact with the seat. Wow. Like, you're strapped in, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. lose contact with the seat. And since it's the tallest building in Vegas, and because it, it is kind of far out there on the strip, like, when you're up there and you shoot up, when you look out, you don't see anything but desert. Wow. You don't see houses, you don't see buildings, it's just desert. That I have no problem with. Being up somewhere in an open area where I could actually fall. Sure. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's when it kicks in. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I, I get that. Jess and I went hiking out in Arizona um, a little over a year ago, and um, it was strange because you know we didn't go. It's not like we didn't get that high up or that close uh-huh. to any you know to any. But there were a couple of times when it was just sort of like. A misstep would cause you to take a spill that you would not mm-hmm. just get up and dust yourself off from, um, and it didn't bother me actually, um, which was surprising because yeah, usually I'm not a big fan of heights, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's it, you know it's <clears throat> the thing that I liked about it, and the reason why I don't have any issues with you know I'm not going to call it some sort of goof or continuity or anything no, like no. that is because Sam in in his, you know in his um, voiceover very clearly states like you know the holes in my Swiss cheese memory yeah. are getting filled. And one thing I just remembered is that I'm scared of right. bites. Yeah. Um, which and is if great. He, and if he loses things between episodes, like if he remembers yeah. new skills between episodes, he can remember new, yeah. And it also, you know, comes into play even later because Al says something about how long we've known each other and Sam's like, I can't remember. <laughs> and Al's just like, that hurts. Yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, clearly, I think that the theory that we have kind of posited early on about how there are things that he loses and regains from leap to leap to leap is absolutely the case. And I think it's supported by future episodes in particular too, with certain instances where, you know, he comes in and he's completely disoriented. Uh And I think, you know, that thing we've said about him kind of trading memories with the people that he's with is supported by like Lee Harvey Oswald, for instance. So I think that there's, there's enough evidence out there for, for, uh, and I don't think it's just an easy way out for the writers. I mean, sure, it helps, but I yeah. think there's a genuine, you know, there's genuine evidence to support the fact that, you know, he has these these holes that get formed and filled, you know, by the will of God, fate, time, or whoever. Whoever, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Sam Lee mm-hmm. Sam. The the upside down thing is the most disorienting, mm-hmm. and very quickly, you have a woman say, "Hey, here I come," right? And now he's got to catch her. Yeah. Obviously, once again, we get a slightly longer uh, leap-in sequence than we had, um, you know, in in the last episode. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean... You know what what I find interesting about 
this that they could have played up some dramatic tension, but they chose not to for some reason, is that he he doesn't catch her like he, he totally misses her. Yeah. But we see her totally safely land tuck up yeah. and land in the net. Oh boy, opening credits. Right. When they could have gone a totally other way. Yeah. And had her fall, opening credits, and then we don't know until we come back whether or not she's right. Safe. So that's I, an interesting choice. I agree. Yeah. I, I and agree. I, I also thought, and I, I, I don't know nothing about trapeze or whatever, but it seemed like when they were like showing that sound of like her being missed and then tucking and rolling, whatever, it seemed like, and there's a totally a safety issue, like the stunt person knew that she was going to be missed, so she was automatically going into jump sure. off and tuck, you know? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of, I, I, I think that nearly every instance of, of the trapeze work that we see while it's done well and better than sure. you know I could ever hope to do that the editing of it there are moments when you can see like oh that that grab was not going to happen how we're seeing in the close up sure you yeah. know or or, or, or or you know that that miss was not quite as near as they made it out to be like you're saying here yeah but you know, it reminded you know, me uh, have you ever been to medieval times theater <laughs> I've not uh, it's been 20 years, but yeah. and, uh, and a college trip, we did go to Medieval Times Theater, which you've never been, it's a, it's a theater on the outskirts of, of Chicago, out in the Schaumburg area, and uh, they serve uh, turkey legs that you just eat, they don't give you silverware, because they didn't have silverware back in Medieval Times, but they do serve, it. they actually called it this, Ye old Medieval Pepsi. Wow. Wow. Um, but what it reminded me is like... They, they, they serve ye old Jack Daniels yeah. as well? <laughs> oh, for sure. But they did actually have jousts. I remember very clearly like, you know, they had a joust like the two horsemen running at each other with the spears. And it was very clear which knight was going to lose because he already had one leg swung over the side of the horse so that when he got, quote, hit, yeah. he could dismount very easily without being hurt. Well, there you have it. Right? But, hey, we can do it. So anyway, opening credits. Um, so then we come back from it. That's when we get the voiceover from Sam saying that he is afraid of heights. Yeah. Uh, and from these first few minutes of conversations, um, they are the Panzini family, and we don't know details yet, but we know that they are somewhat known. Right. Eva is, is the woman that that flew and dropped. Yep. Uh, Victor's sister, Sam's sister. Um, and from this first one, we, we get... Uh, Eva says, if I'm going to be the first woman to do the triple since Mama, we got to practice. Yeah. So we already have the stakes. Right. And then we get a nice moment where she talks about having dreamt about Had a, her mom. A dream, yeah, exactly. And, and that she came to her and told her that she was going to do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's really sweet. And so we, you know, we, we, get, we get a lot of the... Exposition out of the way, yeah. you know. We know, we know. Like you said, the stakes basically, uh, and then we soon meet uh, Laszlo. Yeah. But first, uh, I, I hope I'm not butchering her name too much. Fabiana Udenio. Yes. Is playing Eva. She, yeah, such a fun role. Yeah. Such a great job. She does a really great job with it. And, 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 you know, it's interesting because um, she was talking about, uh, I guess, in an interview about how, um, you know, she was not physically prepared for the role really mm-hmm. uh, in that she was surprised at the you know at how exhausted she was how sore her arms were yeah. after going through some of this stuff uh, um, but she does a great job she, she had a very interesting career she was actually um, Miss Teen Italy in 1977 okay. when right. she was 13 years old uh, which apparently was around the time she also made her debut on stage playing Miranda in The Tempest 
I just thought this All was right. fascinating. I was like, wow, that's a really interesting story. And then she's done, you know, a ton of stuff since then. And um, most recently, I think people would probably recognize her from Jane the Virgin. I guess she was on two uh, seasons of Jane the Virgin, okay. which Jess loves and watches, so she probably would recognize her. Yeah, she didn't I've, watch I've, seen, I, I've seen like one episode. It's one of those shows like I would love it if I watched. There's just yeah, there's just not enough time of the day, and I got a, I got a podcast for a thirty year old TV show to record. Right, exactly. We're, we're like to, yeah, I mean, I've seen, yeah, I've seen a few episodes with Jess too, but yeah, I, I've not I've not given yeah. it the full the full view. But yeah, for no, sure. she she does she does a great job in the episode. Um, and, and I think that there's, there's something about like her, her energy, mm-hmm. um, in particular, she's so committed to, to making this happen yeah. and she's, and she just seems so positive too. That, y- yes, that's it, it, that, <clears throat> Yes. There's no, there could very easily be a lot of angst right. put into this on her part because like the stakes of a, a mama having died and mm-hmm. grief involved in that. It's just like. It's a line that she says later in the episode, Mom is dead, we're not. Yeah. We have to keep living. Yes. Which, I think a nice counterpoint to that is, like I said, we get introduced to Laszlo here very shortly. And he is not that. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not negative, um, but he's, he's definitely holding on to how their mother, his wife, died. Yeah. As opposed to... You know, trying to honor her her memory with the commitment to keeping the act going. Yeah, and again, uh, off mic before we started recording, we're talking about comparing this episode with Thou Shalt not uh, because yeah. they both deal with a family member having died a year before, right? And you know, we both and it was, we, we both lost our moms. Yeah, uh, just a year out is not that no long. Definitely, not. you are still processing all sorts of shit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, and it's and, and I and I think that you know this is this might be a comment that's better served to the end of the episode, but since we're you know talking about that, this episode has very little to do with processing the grief the way that Thou Shalt Not did. Yes, and I think that that in turn makes Thou Shalt Not a much stronger episode. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the only thing that makes Thou Shalt Not a stronger sure. episode. Yeah, and that's not to say this is a bad episode. But it is just it's 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 interesting to know that they decided to not focus on that. That this episode is much more plot driven, for sure, than character driven. Sure, and I will say to to their credit, counterpoint. We've already had two episodes mm-hmm. that very heavily dealt with sure the grief. Uh, you know, Thou Shalt Not, uh, the Americanization of Moscow. Mm-hmm. How much you love that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> uh, but but they, they deal with like really like diving into like, like the feelings of of, yeah. of of grief and loss of guilt after someone dies. So I can kind of appreciate where they don't just really get angsty right with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there there is one scene later on. It, it's a very nice scene where uh, I think it's the the one scene in the episode that that doesn't have Sam. It, it, it's the cutaway where they show Laszlo, like basically like talking to Maria. Oh yeah, in, in the trailer, yeah, and, and where he kind of like talks about you know like the stakes of like I can't forgive him for this, but yeah. it would be great if I could because we could be a family again. It was nice to to have that and to have those you know have that little right. moment, right? You know, and the thing is, I guess the thing the argument that we can also make is that this episode is about Sam catching her. This episode is not about yes. Sam helping them process their grief. Now, yes. I think one could argue that those things are very tightly interwoven, mm-hmm. and that perhaps too much time is spent 
you know, focusing on he's got a catcher. Yeah. Which is good for dramatic tension. For sure. But I guess the story doesn't go much deeper than that, and it had the opportunity to. Yeah. Um, but uh, Laszlo is played by uh, Jan Triska, uh, who actually just died just this past September. He's two people in this episode who have passed away. We'll get to the other one later. Well, all right then. We just got real morbid. <laughs> yeah, we just, uh, speaking of so, speaking of dying, right? Uh, but but what a you know career. I mean, he he did a ton of stuff, and he'd been working. You know, I, I think his like his first film was in 1957 or something like that. He's uh, from Prague, born in Prague, died in Prague. Um, did you know? Did some Czech movies. Did some Polish films. Did. Um, uh, you know, a lot of Hollywood stuff, TV shows, quite a few TV shows. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, been around, you know. Um, speaking of, this is a total aside, but speaking of Prague. Yeah. So a few months ago, uh, back before we bought our second vehicle, we just had one vehicle. And so with our son, a lot of, we were taking a lot of lifts and Ubers, you know, whatever. And so uh, one day I was uh, in a lift and I was talking to the driver and him and his wife were moving back to Prague. Oh, gosh. And he was talking about everything that's currently going on in the U.S. right now. Yeah. And he goes, it is time to leave the U.S.S.A. Ha! Ah! Yes. And he was moving back to Prague. And was like, can I go with you? The United Soviet Socialists of America. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, from so the, yeah. Laszlo, the father. Uh, yeah. Jan Papa. Yes. Papa. Great. Um, and he, you know, he has, um, he's not happy yeah. with the fact that she is doing this. Yeah. He's doing it. Yeah. And I love, oh, there, there's just something so visceral. Like, like when him and Sam come face to face for the first time, the way he smacks him across the face. Yeah. Ah, the, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There is nothing more emasculating and just, yeah. Than just that. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting too, is that there's something about, like, Scott Bakula comes off as very young in the context of this episode. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably right, because the character's supposed to be young. But it's just interesting. Like, even physically, like, he just looks young. And I don't know I don't know what it is. Because he doesn't necessarily look any different. Maybe it's... For sure. Maybe it's the, uh, the costumes, it's like, it, Maybe it's the... Laszlo comes on so strong, it's just... It, yeah. it's, it's so easily to defer to that father figure. Right, right, right. Yeah. And like off the, I'm, I'm trying to think of another episode where we've seen Sam react the same way to a father figure, and I don't know if we've, we've, if we've seen that so far yet in the series. Not really, actually. Uh, no. Yeah he, yeah, he does. But Laszlo does demand that respect right off the bat. Well, and the other beautiful thing is, as we're talking about this, is that he's, you know, this fear, this looming fear is hanging over him the whole time, too. Mm-hmm. And in addition to having, you know, Laszlo there, I mean, actually, it makes a lot of sense, you know, so kudos again to Scott Bakula for being awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we should say, uh, th- it's been noted that this was Scott Bakula's least favorite episode to Which film. Which had nothing to do with the content of the episode. Sure, or yeah. the actors he was working with. Sure. It was just not... Terrible motion sickness. Apparently he's motion sickness. Apparently his, his double, his yeah. stunt double was also, also motion sick. Yeah. So at, at one point like he had acupressure needles in his ear to help with the... Yeah. Yeah, because the trapeze work was just so incredibly horrendous for him. Which again, you know, I'm sure he used it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, this is a TV show. We've talked about this before. There are reruns, right? But we're also at a time when, you know, we're not expecting TV shows to be like put on home video years later. So I'm sure at some point, like the the, the thought had to cross his mind that it's like, this is just a TV show. Why? 
Well, it's funny because... Why are we putting... Why am I putting myself through this for a TV show? Matt actually says something, uh, quotes uh, Fabiana saying that apparently she said to her stunt double, it's just a TV oh, one of the show. Stunt, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and she regretted that, you know, that she had said that uh, later. Which, which again, not only knowing, having read what we've read and knowing what we know about Scott, but also then hearing, you know, Jean-Pierre talk about him... It, I don't know that he ever would have like that would have never been his attitude. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. Like yeah. for him, it would have been like, no, I might, I might vomit my last sure. three meals, but I'm getting up there on the track. But if we get, I'm going to do it. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. This came up. We were talking to, to Jean Pierre last week, and I didn't want to go on this tangent, but Scott Bakula is notoriously known for how nice he is in in Hollywood, and as as counterpoint to that, I read something recently. Uh, the, the last episode of Enterprise and I don't know if we ever actually talked about this on mic before yeah. but the last episode of Enterprise is just not only was it hated by fans yeah. it was hated by the cast yeah. like their feelings were were really hurt um, and actually I've read like somewhere an interview with Jonathan Frakes uh, Commander Riker uh, that while Scott Bakula never said anything he could tell filming that last episode that his feelings were hurt yeah. and, and how the cast would be whatever and I read an interview recently with someone else who was a crew member on the show and he's like I'll tell you how bad the finale of Enterprise was Scott Bakula was mean to me <laughs> oh man yeah anyway well, it was, it was, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about go look it up yeah. uh, it's it's fascinating just for television pop culture just how badly you could bungle a last episode. Right. But Especially considering that the show in its last season in particular had picked up so much steam, like yeah. critically. Mm-hmm. Like critically the show started, you know, people started to be like, Oh, they they, they finally have found themselves, mm-hmm. you know. And that's not to say that the last the you know, three seasons before that were crap, but sure. they were just trying new things. But I mean no, when you look at it, I mean Star Trek the next generation. It was probably the third, fourth season before it really found itself. I'd say third, because third is the one sure. that ends with best of both worlds. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got, you know, going to that. But you're right. I mean, fourth season, it really hit its stride. But that's the thing, too. You know, television was more forgiving because you had fewer options. Yeah. You know, you had, and, and, and Enterprise came along at that weird time when it's like they tried to make a Star Trek show and nobody gave a shit about a Star Trek yeah. show. There was definitely franchise fatigue. And, of course, now you've got people making Discovery thinking that they shouldn't be making a Star Trek show. They should be making everything else that's out. When what people would really like is if they actually made a Star Trek show. Uh, Full circle. We'll see what happens. uh, Back to Quantum Leap. Anyway, back to that. Where do we go? um, So, yeah, so Laszlo's upset at him, tells him to get down, slaps him in the face like you were saying. Um, And then this is when Eva, uh, you know, has, has been... Saying, hey, no, he's he's helping me practice. I want us to be, you know, the flying panzinis yeah. again. She says something effective, uh, this is not what we left Hungary for. Right. And she even alludes to the fact that they left because like the Soviets came in or something like that. Yeah. Which is you know, we we've had so many episodes, I feel like, this season that have either dealt with somebody like um, you know, like in Goodnight Dear Heart, she was sure. leaving because of the Nazis and you know, now we've got the you know, it's 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 interesting and it's it's indicative of the times but we've got so many of these expats that Sam is crossing paths with. Um, and, and it's never explicitly about that, but there's just enough, obviously more so in Good Night to Your Heart, to just remind you of the fact that, you know, the world in which Sam was growing up in, because, again, it's his lifetime, sure, was very different even from the world in which the show was broadcast in, mm. which is even more different, but maybe not so much yeah. today. Yeah, you know. Only now, 
the sign reads no vacancy as opposed to 60 years ago. Uh, give me your tire, give me your poor. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so this scene concludes with uh, Papa yelling at Sam to tighten up the rigging because you loosened it. Mm-hmm. And then Sam goes to, to walk around the circus. We are introduced to the rest of the crew briefly. They show up to laugh at, at Sam falling down because we do have this comedic moment of him falling out when Papa shouts Victor get down. Yeah, because he, he hit, yeah, because the way he hits the net. He hits, he, he bounces, yeah. yeah. And so, the, so the crew shows up and we are briefly introduced to them. And we, uh, I, I don't remember the character's name, but he throws out the funny line, don't get your goulash in an uproar. Yeah, wow, f- f- racist carnies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not funny and actually funny, but funny and yes, and just how, how racist. Yeah. yeah. Like they all, they're all kind of terrible to them. Yeah. You know? And it's not the first time that mention is made of their nationality no, and about how like, no, you know, yeah. jokes are made at that expense. It's like, damn, carnies. Yeah. You're like the outcast of society. You should be standing together. Yeah. Right? God. Sure. But anyway. What's up? So after this scene, Sam goes to uh, walk around the circus. And we get, yeah. this, we get this voiceover of how dinky and low level the circus is. Right. And it occurred to me watching it last night, like, that's a nice writing cover. For the fact to conceal <laughs> that you know it's a TV show and you don't really have the budget to right. show you know well because even later when they're in the big time like there's like ten people in the crowd you know for sure yeah <laughs> and there's yeah plenty of stock footage too yeah plenty of stock footage to be had uh, but it is it is a fascinating kind of world and we don't get a whole lot of it um, but I think that the flavor is is right and and just because um, you know I being the wrestling fan that I am, for those that don't know, because as Dennis mentioned in our last podcast, I have a new podcast. Yeah. Um, Check it out. Part of the Fates Wide Wheel yeah, Network. Right. No. We'll, um, we'll come up with a site or something. I don't know. One of these days. One of these yeah. days. But but again, I, I, having read a lot about the history of, of wrestling and its, and its carnival days in particular, um, there's just something kind of about the flavor of, of, of these scenes that feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, comparing it to other films... Um, like was it uh, is it Greatest Show on Earth? Is that the one with Charlton Heston and Jimmy Stewart? And I believe that's the name of the film. I could be wrong. I think it's directed by Cecil D. Uh, B. DeMille as well. Anyway, um, yeah, there's just something about it that feels that feels right, and I yeah. appreciate that. Um, you know, even down to the trailers. Sure. You know, yeah. And 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 then the the personalities of everyone there. Yeah. And, um, that even though they are kind of insulting about their Hungarian heritage, there's still kind of a familial vibe about it all. Sure. Although you also get the sense that some of the other um, carnival workers are, you know, they're, they're copping a bit of an attitude because they feel like the Panzinis think that they're, that they're where they are right now they're is beneath them. For sure, yeah. And so naturally, if I'm if I'm another carnival worker and it's like, oh, you're gracing us with your presence, then sure, that's going to cause a little friction. I get sure. that. I mean, especially when the panzinis are their bread and butter, which, right. which we've learned. Uh-huh. So it's that weird thing. Uh, so Sam sees himself in a, in a funhouse mirror. This is the one and only mirror shot that, it is, that, yeah. we, get, that we get in the episode. Uh, he appears squat. This is where we meet Big Mo, right. who we got mentioned before. Uh, he wants to know if, if they're going to do the triple because word's gotten around. And Big Mo is a little person. Yes. Uh, There's a side gag where, like, because of the mirrors, sure, yeah. Sam thinks he's taller than he is and he has to look down and see him. Sure. Um, Phil Fondacaro, mm-hmm. um, who has done 
a lot of stuff. Sure. Um, you know, over over the years, uh, he was in the movie Willow. Okay. Um, which, if you were under four foot, I guess you were contractually obligated in Hollywood to appear in that film. <laughs> okay. Uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. I sure, love, I actually love that movie. It's just that you know, anytime sure. you see like yeah. uh, a little person or whatever, and you know that their IMDb, it ends up coming up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots of other stuff as well, and still working to this day. I mean, he's got like. Like five things, I think, in filming or, or production or whatever. Which sure, that was really you know. It's like, yeah, good for you, man. I remember he was in an episode of Sliders. Okay, uh, and I also remember he was in an episode. I'm pretty sure this was him. Uh, he was in an episode of Night Court, and I don't oh, remember. Wow. Thi- I don't remember anything else. I just remember the gag of him having an argument in the courtroom with Dan Felding, John okay. Larroquette's character. Yeah, and he has a line something about I don't think we're seeing eye to eye. And Dan Felding goes, you want to see eye to eye? And he picks him up and he sits him on a table and he says, now we see eye to eye. Of course he does, because John Larroquette could just play slimy bastards. Uh, Uh, Speaking of, rest in peace, Harry Anderson, who passed away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. passed away this past week. Uh, So yeah, so Big Mo is curious about uh, all this stuff about doing the triple. Obviously, Sam, he's befuddled. He can't answer any questions. Yeah. Uh, And finally, Big Mo is like, ah, you know, why am I even talking to you? Uh, it's your dad that makes all the decisions. Which, you know, I will say, um, it, it, it's the way that this episode does set up a couple of expectations, which it then kind of, you know, subverts, I think is is really interesting. Um, and yet there are clues to it along the way. Um, and what I'm talking about specifically here is the fact that Sam's not a part of the act. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're, but we're kind of led to believe that he is. Yeah. But there are, but there's, but again, there's kind of evidence to support that he's not based on the way that like Laszlo talks sure. to him, you know, tighten the rigging, the way that, you know, here Big Mo is like, ah, oh, what am I even talking to you for? It's like, of course he's not going to know about the act because he's not even in it. So it's, but it's interesting because I, again, watching the episode, you have this expectation that it's like, man, Sam's going to have to perform in a couple hours. Sure. You know? Yeah. Which Sam believes as well. With the, yeah. Uh, so Big Mo walks off. Um, we meet, uh, who we'll learn later, her name is Elvira. Yeah. Walks by, gives Sam the eye, and then we see Al shows up following, following her. Yeah. Of course, yes. Following her. Uh, Al's outfit is lovely. It's the classic Al outfit. Yep. And now watching it now, it's interesting because uh, if you haven't listened to last week's episode with talking with Jean-Pierre, like one of the tidbits that he threw out was really interesting was that at the beginning of him working with Dean Stockwell on the series, Dean Stockwell... Uh, made the comment like he he just hated fitting so basically he was going to trust John Pierre to go out and, and get whatever right and then trust that he would look good in it so they didn't really do like like formal fittings or whatever so now I'm just like I'm just like Dean Stockwell showing up and like here here's my outfit yeah. throwing throwing it on going to work right right here we go yeah no and and another thing that's funny too because again after the interview uh, with Jean Pierre I noticed too the um, his uh, his collar. I don't know if it's in this scene. It might be actually later. But like, there's like holes in his collar. Sure. Uh, and just like little details and stuff like that. And it made me. You know, I, I I was I guess paying a little bit more attention to that sort of stuff mm-hmm. because of it. And so in the context, it's sort of like, oh, I, okay, that's what he was talking about. It, having what, fun with like those little. You yeah. Know, what jumped me out about this outfit is that the sleeves were kind of rolled up mm. at the end of the. Uh, the shirt sleeves were rolled up yeah. a little bit at the end of the shirt jacket sleeves, and it kind of stuck out me if that was like a last minute fix because the shirt sleeves were a little bit too long. And so there's like, eh, just roll them up. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so Al Al shows up, 
And uh, from this discussion, they make their way over. They find the trailer, and Sam makes a comment. It was like, yeah, no wonder everyone hates us. The Panzinis are living better than anybody else. Right, right. In the carnival, we have a moment where Al almost sneaks off to catch Eva. Changing. Changing. Sam saves him Sam from being a creep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way to put it. Um, and uh, this is where we find out that we, we get it confirmed that Maria. Yes. Panzini, the mom had uh, been killed doing the triple in Chicago. Yes, and Victor was the one supposed to catch her, and he did not. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously, that's why we've got the yeah. acrimony. And, yeah. You know, but, but we also got the tidbit that, that she had had a cult. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, there's a supposition that her equilibrium was off, you know, sure. earlier year and everything like that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, which leads to a great line later in the episode, I think, from Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that we get here that I absolutely love is that Al, mm-hmm. of course, has carnival knowledge because he ran away from the orphanage. Yeah. But I love the way that Sam kind of takes the piss out of the moment mm-hmm. by just being like, let me guess. And it's just this great, it's not quite fourth wall breaking, yeah. but there's something kind of meta about it. Yeah. It's so much as just being like, even Sam at this point is being like... acknowledging the trope. What yeah. don't you know, you yeah. know? And it's, it was just kind of lovely. I really liked it. Um, and then there's this, you know, the whole scene actually is really, really nice. It's, it's, it's wonderfully played by both of them, and I think the script does them a lot of favors too, because there's also the moment where, you know, Al's talking about basically how miserable he was, and and, and, Sam and, the orphan, this, yeah. and Sam has this beautiful line of like I was happy at home, yeah, which is so great on so many levels because it's just sort of like the way he says it, it's a discovery, mm-hmm. which leads you to believe that you know he's kind of appreciating a memory maybe that he didn't realize sure. was there, yeah. But again, it works on the other level of just like he jumped into that accelerator because he needed to prove a point. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean he was running away from anything. Sure. He was happy at home. Sure. And now he's now he can't get back home, mm-hmm. you know? And I would also wonder, I mean, probably not, because I don't think it was thought out that much in advance, but it also makes you wonder, it's like, is this foreshadowing? Because just think mm-hmm. about where we're going to end up in a few episodes. Okay, yeah. It's Fair just, enough. you know, a thought. Fair enough, yeah. But um, uh, we do get the funny line that... Um, that Al apparently had a, ke- a pet, pet roach, roach. Yeah. Yeah. Named, named Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Which has this is another great moment because Sam is like, Sam is like, is that your roommate? And he's like, no, that was the roach. roach yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Al has a moment like, why, or Sam has a moment, why do I even ask? Yeah. And this is where Papa starts pounding on the door. Do you tighten the rig in? I'll do it myself. Get on the show. The show starts pretty soon. And so like, speaking to your point, like yeah. Sam thinks that, that he has to perform. He runs um, in. He's wearing the costume. Yeah. He thinks he's put it on wrong because they're staring at him all funny. Sure, or whatever. yeah. Eva, though, it's 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 funny. Again, it's you know, and, and again, Fabiana really does a wonderful job with the role because she's got this moment too, where like um, she's almost excited to see him in the in, you know sure. in the costume. Yeah, you know. Whereas Laszlo is not, mm-hmm. and this is of course when we find out he's not supposed to be in it because he's been grounded by Laszlo. Yeah, he's thrown grounded. <laughs> <laughs> he's been you know he's sure. thrown yeah. into the. Um, the safety uh, band. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which, of course, Al is like, it's a very important job. You yes. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is also where we get when he throws uh, the, the, the crew suit, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the coverall. That's the word. That's I'm what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. As, as he throws it at him, his, he, he grabs his arm right after. So we get this, that, that his yep. arm is, is strained. Uh, and then as the act goes on and, and, and we see them perform, uh, this is when Al drops the the line that there was a ninety seven point two percent chance 
chance that he is there to catch Eva, because in two days, when they do the stunt, um, Eva is going to drop to her death when Laszlo drops drops her. Yeah, yeah. And so this is uh, watching this with uh, Betsy, my wife, last night. She she threw out a great line. She was like, "Yeah, but what if?" But what if Sam does it and he drops her? Like, what if it? What if it's just fate? Yeah. Like, what if she's supposed to die? Right. It was just an interesting question she threw out. I was like, no, no. Like, what if? I don't know. Right. Well, you know, it's 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 interesting because uh, I think exploring. We know, in in a way, one of the biggest elements of dramatic tension has been completely abandoned in the course of the show because of the way it's been set up. We know he can't fail, because if he fails, he can't leap. Yeah. So we know oh, that oh, that's... Oh, so, yeah, okay. So, so we know that that's not going to happen. Yeah, so here's another great question. So, uh, Betsy, was she was asking me about this last night. She's mm-hmm. like, so what happens if he fails? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it has been thrown out in other episodes that if he fails, he doesn't leap, and he's stuck in that life forever. And she's like, and I never thought about this before, she's like, well, that's a pretty self-defeating rule. Yeah. Like... So, if he's out leaping around, putting people's lives back together, if he screws something up and he fails, like, his punishment is to live that life forever? Right. Like, where did they... Because that never gets established in the series. Like, where did Sam and Al decide that that was... That that was what was going to happen? I know in the, well, in, the, in the pilot episode, they throw out the idea, like, if you, if you save Tom Stratton's life, then you'll leap out of here... There's never a moment in the series where they where they clearly establish that if you don't save someone's life or whatever, you're not going to leave. No, we, it's we, all we kind theory. Of yeah, we kind of understand by this point. Like it's understood that they think that if Sam fails a mission, he's going to be stuck there forever. And Betsy pointed out, "Was like, why? Yeah, that's a pretty stupid rule, right? Right. No. So so he fails, so he doesn't get to try to save anybody else ever again. Right. Right." Anyway, well, but the thing, one of the things that is beautiful about the show in general, and while I will, and one of the reasons why I will defend the final episode until my dying day, mm-hmm. is that we learn that that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. That's not really the rule here. You know, the, the, there really aren't any rules, sure, per se. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that the, you know, the beautiful thing is, is that maybe that, that, that threat of that is one of the things that helps to drive Sam. You know? Sure. I think that, like we've discussed before, there is an element of Sam perhaps has a bit of a guilty conscience, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I love these conversations because I just, I don't think that there's been a lot of serious scholarship, quite frankly. Not that that's what we're doing, <laughs> but, but there's not been. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Scholarship <laughs> Podcast. But there's not been. There's not been. Um, with all due respect to anyone who's ever written or talked about the show, there's not been a lot of serious mm-hmm. dialogue about this. Mm. And I and I feel like the reason why we're sitting here almost thirty years later talking about it mm-hmm. is because it bears talking about sure maybe just for us maybe just for the handful of people that listen whatever yeah but i think that 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 means something and in a day and age when 
you know, it's like Quantum Leap came just a little too soon, because shortly afterwards, you'd have books on philosophy and the X-Files, psychology and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know what I mean? Like, sure. You get, you get that now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, I mean, hell, yeah. Game of Thrones, there's books about that sort of stuff. There's, you know, sure. and, and, there are, uh, you know, there are, uh, she, she's a, uh, she follows us on Twitter, I can't remember her name right now, because I haven't seen her post anything lately, but on Amazon, actually, she does have a, a self-published book of, of essays about Quantum Leap. Well, I gotta order that thing right away. Yeah, need to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, yeah. So I, I think that that, that that no, that's a, that's that's a great point that, that Betsy brought up, and 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 that the idea that you know the setup is that if he fails, he he's stuck, and we know that that's never going to happen because that would defeat the purpose of the show. Sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they just wanted to shift the focus on the show. All of a sudden... You can't really call it Quantum Leap anymore, though. Yeah, right? he's just... I quantum don't know. Stay? I don't quantum know. Quantum Stay, and he's just, like, stuck somewhere, wherever yeah. wherever he's at. Then, uh, this is kind of a tangent, but there is one novel, without digging too deep into it, where... Um, I'm just going to keep this as simple as possible. Sam becomes very apathetic in one of the novels. Yeah. And he decides, you know what's wrong with this person's life? Him. Yeah. And I'm tired of leaping. I'm done. This guy's got a hot wife. I'm just going to stay here. Oh, no. I'm not going to accomplish what I need to accomplish. And I'm just done. Oh, Sam. I'm just going to be this truck driver for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to live out this life. Anyway. The, right. the, the, the plot is much more complicated than that. Is that, that random thing. measures? No, that is double identity. Double identity, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, but anyway... So, um, yeah, so back to this specific episode. Um, yeah, at this point, we now we know the, the reason why he's there is yeah. because Eva's going to die if he doesn't catch her. Yeah. Um, so we cut to the next morning. Uh, Sam sleeps in the nude. Yeah, Sam. So here, here, here's the thing about that, because I, I totally forgot this point. Uh, I'll say this. At home, I, I sleep with a nude. Okay, okay. Uh, I sleep with a nude and a beanie. Because I'm bald and my head gets cold. And it's also a thing. If, if my head gets cold when I sleep, I will wake up with a headache worse than a migraine. Okay. So I sleep with a beanie. All right. While still sleeping nude. Okay. That being said, I'm when really I'm... nude. That be, that, yeah. That being said, when I'm sleeping somewhere else... Yeah. I always... I'm always wearing something like shorts or t-shirt or whatever. Yeah. Now, Sam is, quote-unquote, at home. Right. But... He is never at home. Right. He's not even really in his own skin. No. He's always in a weird situation. I have a hard time believing he sleeps in the nude. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. That's one of the reasons why I brought it up. Because I feel like it would just like he would just always be like even 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 unless in, even in a relatively safe situation, I always feel like he would just be wired and ready to go. Here's a thought. I, after after my diatribe about scholarship, this is where sure. we're about to go. Yeah. Would you want to put on somebody else's underwear? <laughs> Fair point. Like, like, yeah. like, poor Sam. Like, he's got to put on these other people's clothes, you mm-hmm. know? So maybe, maybe, I mean. Ah, uh, yeah. That's just, that's silliness. Yeah. That's just that's silliness. Also, uh, this is kind of, kind of a tangent, but you have not read The Time Traveler's Wife yet. Right? I have not. Um... So what's interesting about with that story, uh, Henry, who's the time yeah. traveler, that one, he randomly time travels as himself, and every time he time travels, he shows up where he's going completely naked. Yeah, I remember you mentioning this. Yeah, and 
So there's one great passage in the book where, uh, because the the novel jumps back and forth first person between Henry and Claire, who's Mm -hmm. his wife. And there's this great passage at one point in the book where she talks about, it was so disturbing sleeping next to Henry because he was always wired and curled up into a ball. Mm -hmm. Because constantly time traveling, sometimes time traveling in his sleep, and he was always going to show up someplace naked. He may be showing someplace naked among other people. Yeah. So anyway, that is to say, I have a hard time buying Sam Beckett, Time Traveler, yeah. Sleeping Naked. No, that, you know, it, it, it's interesting because I think that the one of the differences there that I find fascinating, just about the, you know, the concept of the way that time travel works for them, mm-hmm. is Sam might not know specifically when he's sleeping, but he also, you know, he, he also has kind of a good idea. Um... Whereas Henry, you know, even not having read the book or seen the movie based on what you've told me already, doesn't know when this is happening to him. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, he, he ends up without clothes on, you know, a la, like, Terminator. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. The other great yeah. time travel franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, so I don't know that there is something kind of interesting about that, but I agree. I have a hard time believing that, too. Anyway, we get a comedic moment out of it sure. because, you know, oh, my God, his sister has now seen him naked. Sure. Um, yeah. How embarrassing. Um, she wants to practice. Mm-hmm. She's waking him at like 4.30 in the morning. He wants to sleep, which I think is kind of endearing, because of course Sam is tired. God, yeah. The poor guy's always like, you know, on edge doing something or whatever. Of course he's tired. For sure. So yeah. like, it's 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 a nice little moment where he's like, I would like to go back to bed, please. Yeah. And so this is where we get the, the, the nice moment where Sam is is trying to convince her like he cannot mm-hmm. he cannot catch her he cannot be trusted to catch her and this is where she we get the great line of mom is dead Victor not us yep and this is also uh, it was either this or the previous scene where we get to confirm like the Panzinis flew without a net mm-hmm. with no safety net right um, and it's so it, it, it's really interesting just to think about the the, the entire. Uh, the entire art in general, like part of the appeal of people going to watch it, um, is the idea that people are risking their lives for you. Yeah. Uh, I remember reading somewhere, and I meant to look it up before we started recording, I remember reading somewhere that Hitler loved going to the circus. He loved watching trapeze artists. Wow. Because he just loved the idea that these lowly performers were risking their lives for his entertainment. And that sounds evil, but if you are anyone to go into this kind of entertainment, yeah, you're you're doing the same you're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying about the the probably the closest thing I've seen is like uh, a Cirque du Soleil show. Yeah, which uh, I saw a couple when I was out in Vegas last year. Uh, one had a ton of safety measures built into it, but even still, this particular show I went to see a couple years ago, someone did fall to their death. I'm not sure if it was during a, a show or during a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another show that we saw that, you know, there, there were moments where it was it was a smaller, more intimate theater. There were moments in the show where, where some of the performers, that, like, they were literally like flying over the audience. And I'm sure they were safe as possible, but there was always the, you know, the chance yeah. that, that something was going to happen. <clears throat> it is, I mean... It's fascinating because I, I've seen it um, live before when I was a small child. You know, I have, I have sort of memories here and there. Uh, my grandparents took me to, like, Ringling Brothers. Um, but it, it, it is one of those weird things where, you you know, 
the thing that pops into my head right away, I'm sorry to say, is NASCAR. It's the idea that, like, people aren't watching to see who wins the race. They're watching to see the wrecks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's something even more personal mm-hmm. about the trapeze arts because, like, you see the human being. You don't just see these sure. hunks of metal flying around at Fly 150 around. miles For an sure. hour. You know, Absolutely. Um, you see the human being. And um, Matt even actually mentions in his book on a couple of occasions about um, the people who have died, uh, or, or been paralyzed. And like, even like the Valendas, which is the very famous, famous, like tight, tightrope walking and, you know, trapeze artist family, like they've even had, um, um, deaths and, and injury, you, you yeah. know, in the family. And there's a, there, there's, um, while trapeze art is not by definition violent, there is a violent thing into it. Yeah. You gotta wonder, like if you put the net in, would it have the same appeal right. to people? Right. A friend of mine on Facebook, he, he made the, the, the point last week, and I can't remember what his overall point was, but on his way to making that point, he pointed out, if you were to make NFL from a tackle sport to a flag sport, their ratings would plummet overnight. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. You take the violence out? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it's the closest, you know, I mean, like, it, it's the same thing with any sort of, like, contact sport. Um, even if you're talking about like MMA or boxing or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, it's, um, God, it's weird because I, I feel like sometimes, you know, you do have people that, that watch those types of events because they're, they are interested in like the artistry of it. You know, you do have people who watch NASCAR because they are interested in the, you know, the racing sure. aspect and the physics and et cetera. And you do mm-hmm. have people that watch trapeze artistry because it's something beautiful, but you're right. There is something attractive about the fact that like you're watching somebody basically put their life at risk, mm-hmm. you know, for your enjoyment. Fucking Hitler. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we can all agree on that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, so anyway, um, Sam does finally agree to go train or well, not at first because hmm. she, she's doing it by herself. Sure. Yeah. And that's when he agrees and that's to when go he, up and, yeah. and, and, and practice here. Um, yeah, so this is yeah, we have a scene where, like, yeah, Sam is certified afraid of heights, mm-hmm. terrified of heights. We get some nice, you know, some uh, some special effect shots of Al floating up. Floating Those up hover shots, yeah. Yeah. Al, you're floating in hair, in air, in thin air. I, I am a hologram, I am thin air. Which, let's be honest, it's not entirely perfect. There is that one moment where, like, it's clear that Al is not really looking at Sam. You know, they haven't matched sure. the footage perfectly oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's a neat sight gag and it's, and sure. it's nice because in this episode, we actually get a couple of opportunities for Al to kind of do something different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, when they're traveling later, we'll, we'll get to that. There's a moment that I actually took a note about cause I thought it was interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so we, we, so we have this, I believe what happens in this, uh, practicing, there's a drop, um, this is where I think I'm missing some notes. Is this the point where he accidentally drops her and she bounces off the net? Yeah. Well, or does that come later mm-hmm. on? That comes later it on. It comes later yeah. on, yeah. Because, because first, yeah, because now we have this scene where the circus is calling for the Panzinis to perform. And we have the scene where where uh, Laszlo breaks in the news to, to Big Mo that, I'm sorry, we got to go. Even after offering like 25% of the cut. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I think he he goes up at one point to forty percent, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, we we have to go, 
And we have the short fight scene, which I found was, you know, there there is the gag of Big Mo jumping onto Big Mo's back. It's mainly but, an excuse to see Sam's roundhouse kick again. Yes, it is. <laughs> but it's interesting because. Uh, the the sound effects department got way overzealous with the sound effects. Of this. I don't know if you noticed, but I did not. Honestly, every punch, swing, fall, like the sound effects was a little bit was a little bit over the top. <laughs> so at the end of the scene, we have this thing because like uh, I can't remember uh, a dwarf. Yeah, because yeah, we get we get the we get the the slurs, hunky. Huggy, yep. Huggy, Huggy, yeah. Dwarf. Yeah. So at the moment where Sam says, you know, my dad was wrong to call you that, he's a Hungarian, and you're a little person. Yeah. Little person. I like that. Yeah. Kick on the shins. You're still a Huggy. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. They can't all be winners. No, yeah. Um, so from there, we cut to uh, Sam... Learning well, how to fly. Right, because Eva Eva is very persistent. Because Sam has said, we're not going to do it right now, we'll do it later. Then the confrontation mm-hmm. happens, and now she's up to him again, and she's like, we got to practice. And he's like, yes, later, we'll do it. And now, yeah, he's getting up there, and he's learning, and Al's trying to coach him through, teaching him how to properly position himself. Some great work here. And to know, you know, you know that that's all Scott Bakula, because it's, you can't, they couldn't fake that. You cannot, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, and again, knowing how he was sick, and... I mean, kudos to him for, for, for going through with all that. Um, but, it, but it, you know, it, it looks good in so much as it doesn't look good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it looks like he's, he's really struggling with this. He's really having a hard time figuring it out. Um, but then he gets it, and at one point he's like, I'm flying. You know, and he's so yeah. pleased with himself, and Al's pleased with him. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, and then Eva comes in, yeah. and she's all excited, and... Yeah, it's, starting it's, with the straight catch. I love there's... Uh, Al has a line that this practice will increase Sam's chances of catching Eva by... 20%. 20%. 20%. Uh, this is where, coming in with the straight catch, mm-hmm. and he ends up dropping... Well, he, he half-catches her. Right. Half-catches her. She says, let me go, let me go. Al says, don't, don't let, let, don't let, let go. go, don't let go. He lets her go, and she falls on the net in such a way that she bounces... Out, yeah. Sam is excited because, like, hey, he half caught her. Right. Al points out that she's fallen off the net. Uh, Then we cut to before before we get to there real quick. Al actually has this great line after he mentions that your chances have risen by twenty percent, and Sam's like, "Oh yeah, what are the chances now?" Mm -hmm. And Al's like, (laughs) thirty (laughs) percent. So it's like there's only ten percent chance he was going to do it, which actually plays well into Betsy's question to you earlier. It's like he, you know, he didn't have that good a chance of catching her either. Sure. You know, you got to think. It's like, man, but I guess 10% is better than zero. True. <laughs> well, this may be a question better served than the end of the episode. I'll throw it out now. Victor mm-hmm. is obviously a capable catcher. Like, it, right. it's presented like it wasn't his fault that their mom died. Mm-hmm. It was that she had a cold and she forced herself pride. to perform. Anyway, yeah, yeah. pride forced that her to perform. Great line, yeah. So... The obvious answer is it would not be an interesting episode otherwise. Right. But realistically, why does Sam have to catch her? Why, why can't do, he just convince... Why he? Why can't he just convince Papa mm-hmm. to let him catch her, and then he leaps, mm-hmm. and Victor does the catch? Anyway. Um, Where's the fun in that? Yeah. So we should <laughs> say, during this, uh, this practice, Papa has snuck <clears> in, so he has seen Eva fall off the net and bounce off. Yep. And so, you know, he has a line, like, you know where you... No, 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 that's not it. That's later. That's Never later, mind. you're right. That's yeah. later, yeah. 
Um, so anyway, bounces off the net. Turns out she's got the wind knocked out of her. Um, it turns out during this that Al's second or third wife was, was Hungarian. Hungarian. Yeah, so he throws out the saying, you know, say that, say that you saw a bird in your trailer because a bird in your trailer, a bird in your house means death is going to come. Right, well, because... Eva asks. Yeah. He's like, did you see a bird in my trailer or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Al's like, this is what it means. Sam gets overzealous and says, I saw two birds in your and trailer. And Al's immediately like, ah, uh, no. Yeah. Because yeah. two birds means good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we cut to Sybil, the fortune reader. Right, because immediately um, Eva's like, okay, we're going to, I know where you heard this. We're going to go see about yeah. this right now. By the way, I looked this up online. If that mm-hmm. is an actual... Hungarian superstition or belief or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I could not find it online. You want to know something? Hmm. In 1990, nobody could either. Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. Well played. Um, So, yeah, so they go to the fortune teller. Um, Al gets there first, and immediately the fortune teller can, like, sense that Al's there. Yeah. Um, They get in. There's this cute little interplay about how, like, apparently Sybil at one point saw Al in... Victor's eyes, meaning um, Alvira. Alvira, yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, apparently, they're meant to be or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did not see death in mm-hmm. in um, Eva's eyes. She saw family. She saw children in her eyes. You know. Sure. And then Sam's all upset, and he's like, "Ah, you know." And, and then that's when Sybil has a thing about like, "You've lived many lifetimes." Life I life, see, yeah. you know, I see all these lives in your sure, eyes. And yeah. You know, and and it kind of. Creeps Sam out a little bit. Um, sure, yeah, and we don't we don't spend a whole lot of time on it. It, it cuts away to the right. same. Oh, one other quick thing that I wanted to mention is that um, Sybil kind of creeps Al out, and Al leaves. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm out. And and Sybil then has this line about an angel, like she senses like an angel being there, sure. or something like that, which is great because it's like, how many times has Al been referred to, you know, as an angel at this point? Angel, yeah. yeah, but uh, the actor who played Sybil yes. uh, was Rosa. Menot, M-E-G-N-O-T, I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. Um, she actually passed away in 2009. Okay. Uh, at the age of just 46, she died of a brain tumor. Oh, ouch. Um, no, but she she terrible. jumped out at me because at first glance, she bears such a strong resemblance to uh, Kristen Milioti. Oh, yeah. Uh, totally. who, who was the mother. On How I Met Your Mother. And, yeah. and How I Met Your Mother. And she was also, uh, she's in the one episode of Black Mirror from this last season mm-hmm. that uh, at first glance, it's kind of a. It looks like a homage or a spoof to Star Trek, but it's, oh, okay. really, it's really about toxic fandom. Mm. Um, but yeah, because at first I thought, oh, that's sad. It's like, no, this is this is like twenty. <laughs> years, this is like twenty years too early. Yeah, not, right, right. Not her. Um, did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Have yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen the whole show. I will admit this. I've probably seen from episode one to the last episode three times. Three times. Wow. Okay. Yeah. God. I uh, I think the first three or four seasons are brilliant. Yeah. The rest of the series I've seen sporadically. I watched all of the last season in real time because mm-hmm. I was just eager to see like what sure what they were going to do. Um, and I think that's... Uh, if you're listening, you've, you've never seen the show, go watch the first three or four seasons. Go watch about the show and how badly they bungled the ending because it, it's just really... It's, re- it's really interesting to see like how a show can become devoured by its own success. Had the show only lasted three or four seasons, the way they ended the series would have been brilliant. Yeah. But it went on for nine seasons. Yeah. And the way they ended the the show just... 
So I'm a big fan, believe it or not, of like the first seven seasons. Okay. I think that the first seven seasons, for the most part, hold up really, really well. Mm. I think that the last two seasons... In fact, I would even almost argue that the second to last season is even worse than the last season. Okay. Um, I think it has to do with the fact that the show wasn't supposed to go that long. Originally, no, originally they were contracted for five seasons. Yeah. Then they got the two extra seasons, and they were like, oh, yeah, we, we got enough material. And I think they did, because I think season six and seven played out really, really, really well. And then they decided to stretch it for two more seasons, and that's when it just went way was, downhill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But this is a Quantum Leap podcast. Anyway. So. <laughs> How I Met Your Mother podcast would not be the... Anyway. Yeah, well, uh, no, you know. But anyway, so now we're back on the on the trapeze, and this is where we get the the nice little cutscene to pop on the trailer, yeah, trailer, the monologue to Maria. I'm like I can't trust him, but I, I would love to be able to trust him again. And the line is, "It would be good to smile and hug my son again." Mm-hmm. Which it's interesting because again, having having known. Again, that that parallel that we've drawn between this episode and Thou Shalt Not. I Again, I think that there was something at work here that we never got fully explored. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's 45 minutes, you know, we were 48 minutes, whatever. Sure. You, you can only do so much. So I'm not, I'm, this is not a hard critique by any stretch because I don't think it's a bad episode. But I do think that um, the grief that's working on these characters is not fleshed out enough. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the few moments we get where it starts to feel real, mm-hmm. but the rest of the episode it feels pretty much like a plot device, sure. a motivator. Um, but it is a really nice scene, you're right. Yeah. Um, so we get a moment here where Eva catches Sam talking to Al, and they have this interplay about imaginary playmates. Uh, they're going to go for a, for a straight single catch. Eva sneaks in a double. Mm-hmm. This is when Papa sneaks in to watch. Mm-hmm. Eva, she puts up the the extra the bench, the extra height to go for the triple. Drops her, and this is the thing. Like Al points out, it's all on her. It, for Sam, it's the same catch whether right. whether or not she's doing a, a straight or double, whatever. It's all a mental thing. But he drops her. She bounces or comes close to she bouncing comes off. Close. The, yeah, she doesn't actually. Yeah, she comes close to bouncing off the net. And Papa runs in like, "What are you trying to do? Kill your sister too?" Yeah, harsh. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> That's hard. Anyway, so now we get... Um, the, <laughs> on the road again, traveling to on, Denver. On the road to Denver with Tequila playing, which yeah. I feel like they just played the song because they still had the rights to right? it from, from All Americans. Because um, Betsy called it out last night. She's like, this is an oddly upbeat piece right? of music for this, for this scene at, at this point where we're at in the episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and Al is hanging out the roof of mm-hmm. the truck, which... There's no like, there's no like sunroof. This isn't no, like no, no, a, no. he's yeah. just literally popping out the roof. Yeah. Um, Sam asked him to please, you know, sure. pretend to sit next to him. So Al does, and I just had this thought, and it's like that. That's cool, but it's not like we haven't seen Al sitting before, laying before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it just it just felt it, it stuck out to me. I feel like at this point in the series, maybe they were starting to like grasp the idea that. Oh, that 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 Sam or that Al can't he can't sit down in the imaging chamber because there's probably not a chair mm-hmm. in the imaging chamber. So you, you do get more of that gag. I'm sure it was just you know it was an excuse to work in a nice sight gag. Yeah, with Dean Stockwell. 
Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And it works. Yeah. Uh, and so this is where... Um, the reason why this, this scene exists is that Al had been watching Laszlo drive the other vehicle mm-hmm. and that there's something wrong with his, his right shoulder. And, it and Sam's out. like torn rotator cuff. Which I love that Sam's already diagnosed him. Yeah, these are... Yeah. These, yeah. yeah. Um, so, massage nerd over here, because I'm a massage therapist... Um, it is often mistaken that the rotator cuff is one muscle. Uh-huh. It's actually a series of muscles. Uh, classically, it's like four muscles, but I'm looking at this one thing online right now, and it's got like six different muscles okay. listed right there. The rotator cuff is not just one muscle. The entire rotator cuff, a series of muscles around your shoulder to help hold the head of the humerus, which is the, the upper arm, right. to hold that into your shoulder joint. Because it's a ball and socket joint, which gives you the most range of motion, but it also means it is the most susceptible for injury and for it to get popped out. Got it. So you have all of these muscles surrounding it to help hold basically one bone up against the other. In other words, it's not something that a trapeze artist would want to have damaged. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So anyway, has a torn, uh, he has a torn rotator cuff, and and so that's why he probably ends up dropping. Yeah, dropping, dropping Eva. Yeah, dropping Eva. Yeah. Um, when they get there, um, we are introduced to Clifford Vargas, sure, who's played by Richard Real. Mm-hmm. Um, who again is somebody who's kind of been everywhere. Sure. Um, my my favorite role of his is his role in The Fugitive. <laughs> well, we talked about this before, actually, mm-hmm. because he's also in Played Against Seymour. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, he's done a ton of stuff. He's got a bunch of stuff in the pipeline right now to uh, pre-production and filming, etc. or whatever. But, For sure. Um, but yeah, like I said, he was also in um, Played Against Seymour. So. Mm-hmm. Um, he shows them the poster advertising for the return, mm-hmm. um, which you know, which is a beautiful poster. Mm-hmm. But it also happens to mention the triple, mm-hmm. um, which Laszlo is like, we don't do the triple. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, um, you know, Clifford's like, well, that's not what you said in your letter. Here's where we learned that Eva was the one that sent the letter saying that they were doing sure. this. <coughs> Excuse me, and forged Laszlo's name. Laszlo is 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 upset, but you know. He he agrees to let her do it. Yeah. Um, and but then, if he's going to do it, or if they're going to do it, he's going to catch her. Right. To which, of course, Sam is like, uh, you know, can't no. do that. You can't. You're not going to catch her. You got a torn rotator cuff. What are you, a doctor now? Right. Lazlo tries to slap him again. Yeah. And this is where they have the like, just like, just like that, the little arm wrestling thing. Yeah. It kind of proves the point of that. His arm is way too damaged. Mm-hmm. So then. Having convinced Laszlo that Victor needs to be the one to catch him, we get this heartfelt music, and Sam leaps. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, 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 not quite. Uh, what happens instead is um, say we get this introduction, this long, drawn-out introduction. It's quite long and drawn-out, to be honest it with is. you, by it the is, ringmaster. Um, by, by the ringmaster, we get all this nice stock footage, uh, which Matt Dale points out in his book. The, the stock footage that they use, mm-hmm. it's kind of clearly, the circus is more in the 70s than it is in, uh, in 1958 where we're set. But hey. Right. Um, and there's a, there's a great line in here where the ringmaster, he, he, he points out that one year ago tonight, mm-hmm. 
was when Maria died. And then it cuts to Sam up on the trapeze with Hal standing next to him. He's like, it was a year ago tonight. And I was like, ah, actually it was a week ago. It was like, it's like next Tuesday, but it's <laughs> next Tuesday, but Hey, show business. Right. Uh, Alice being very flippant for, for the situation right now. Yeah, right? But it's fine. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, but, but it, we, we have um, this moment of sort of like, Sam's up there, he's, he's clearly nervous, but he seems ready, sure. and then all of a sudden it gets announced they're taking away the net. The safety net. I mean, I guess earlier in the episode we, we have seen Eva fall and bounce off the net mm-hmm. and almost get hurt. Even still, with that caveat, to me, it seemed a little bit naive of Sam to not figure out that the net was not going to be there. Yeah. 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 No, I I totally get that. You're Mm -hmm. you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, And then, and now it's showtime. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's all this drama being built up. Complete silence. Must have complete silence. It gets said like five times. Yeah, I know. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it was comedic how many times in this two minutes. We must have complete silence. Mm-hmm. Complete silence, please. Um, um, Sam gets in position. Mm-hmm. Laszlo is looking up. Laszlo's got this little kid sitting next to him. Eventually, closes his uh, eyes. Oh, that is such a fantastic. I'm at a point right now where, like, my son is 14 months, and like, he's just like he's starting to become a person, like, have a personality and see things and notice things. Yeah. So, anytime there's a little kid in anything, especially a little boy, yeah, I'm butter. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then, yeah, um, they're they're swinging, they're getting ready, Eva's ready to go, Al, like, descends to the ground so he can watch from down there, mm-hmm. um, she does her three somersaults, Sam catches her, mm-hmm. uh, at one point I'm pretty sure we see the stunt double, clearly. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I did notice, uh, yeah, in, in slow motion and, and also, you know, high definition Blu-ray, mm-hmm. you can very clearly see that it's not Fabiano Udenio, but, hey, yeah. hey. Um, but he catches her, the net's put back up. Eva drops down. Sam follows her down. Um, you know, Al's happy. Laszlo has uncovered the kid's eyes so that he can see that everything's okay. Yeah. Um, he runs out. The ring. The ringmaster gives Laszlo a very nice introduction, mm-hmm. which I thought nice. Nice improvisation on the part of the of the yeah. ringmaster. Right. Yeah. Well, then Laszlo has this great moment where he's like, he looks at Sam and he's just like disappointed. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, how many times do I have to tell you, don't forget to wave to the crowd? Right, yeah. And then he well, smiles. And before that, yeah, there, 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 there's even a moment of like, Sam's like, okay, why haven't I leaped? And I was like, he got one more thing. And mm-hmm. it's, it's clearly to... It's clearly, clearly that. Yeah, it's yeah, clearly yeah. Yeah, to reconcile there. Um, and, then, and then they hug, and we leap. And Sam's in a window. His name is Buster, because a woman saying Buster, bring the basket down. Yep. He sneaks the basket down. He he is dressed in you know clearly like some you know blue jean jacket. You know the the hat. You know he's wearing the the blue jean jacket, the hat. He brings the basket down. Julie Brown is is shouting at, at him to you know yep. whatever. He puts the basket back in the, in the back <laughs> the of the, the truck, truck. and yep. she's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Pulls it up. It turns out it's a baby. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Here we go. Yeah. And that'll be maybe baby next week. Um. Final thoughts on leaping in without a net? You know, I, I, mean, I think we kind of covered it as we went. It's, yeah, uh, me too. It's a very, I won't say plot then, it's a very straightforward yeah. plot. Uh, the, you know, they could have 
they could have dove more into the the grief aspect with the mom, but on the other hand, they've already kind of covered that ground twice with previous episodes. So this was like a showcase to show off some physicality, especially on the part of, of Scott Bakula. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, there's there's like I said, there's really nothing wrong with it. I mean, there's definitely areas where we can be critical of it. Um, I think the performances are good. You know, I, I think that there's some nice. Sam and Al moments. Sure. Um, oh, you know, one thing we didn't actually talk about. My gosh, I can't believe we didn't talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam has that story about why he's afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. It's because Tom That's took right. him to the yeah. movies to see a Tarzan movie. They went in, they tied a rope in the barn, and they were swinging back and forth. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the rope started to get loose, so Tom told Sam to go up and retie it. And yeah. that's when Sam froze. And the way that Sam tells this story... I am just convinced that bringing up Tom and oh. thinking about this memory of Tom is not easy for him, and it's not because he's scared of heights. Sure. Yeah. And I don't think he realizes it when he starts to tell the story. I think yeah. it's something that hits him as he's telling the story. Sure. And I think it's really, really well done. Yeah. Yeah. But we're also gonna, I think you talked about this off mic earlier, maybe this earlier on, but the, but the moment where... Uh, Alice, like, hey, how long have I known you? And Sam says, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Because all the Swiss cheese, yeah, the holes in his memory and everything. And yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I mean, there is there is some good stuff here, without a doubt. It's interesting because uh, Tommy Thompson, the, the, the screenwriter at one point, uh, I guess, made a comment about how um, he, he thought the script was good, but then the rewrites really undercut that. I, I don't know what the rewrites were, who did the rewriting, where sure. that, how that happened. I, there's no one else credited on the teleplay. I mean, it's not out of the question that there were rewrites on uh, it, but... I, I, I do know, in the case of a one other episode, the episode came in from the scriptwriter, and then Deborah Pratt went in <coughs> and did some heavy rewrites. Yeah. So I'm sure there, there's a lot of times like when that happens where there are rewrites and they're just not credited somewhere along the way. Right, line, right. Yeah. Well... But anyway, right. when I was a kid, this was my second complete episode of Quantum Leap. Yeah. And at the time, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of those, like, watching it last night, I was kind of like, eh, but in our discussion about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like I, I feel like this episode and the next one that we're going to talk about are very sort of standard Quantum Leap episodes. There's mm-hmm. nothing necessarily too remarkable about them. Mm-hmm. And that in itself, I just think, reminds you of the quality of the show. Because it's like, there isn't anything necessarily standout remarkable about either one of these episodes. Mm-hmm. But there are some nice moments. There's some good character interaction. There's, you know, this episode tends to be certainly more on the plot-heavy side. It's like, Sam, this is this is what Quantum Leap is about. Sam leaps in, he has to fix something, here are the obstacles, there's some tenderness, there's some good people involved, he leaps out. Yeah. And so, again, I, I think that even though it's not a remarkable episode per se, that it helps to exemplify what's great about Quantum Leap, which is that even an episode that's not great. Sure. You know? It's a great episode if you want to sit someone down and introduce someone to the series and be like, look at the weird shit he gets into sometimes. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's a trapeze artist. Here we go. Yeah. Right, because I feel like if you were to program a marathon, which, you know, sci-fi used to do, with all of these, like, great episodes, like prime filet episodes of Quantum Leap, that you're going to get to a certain point where people are going to think that that's what the show is, and then watch an episode like this and be like, oh, eh. Maybe not. I don't know. Kind of like the fluff episode? Yeah, I mean, it's not really fluff. For sure. 
but it but it just isn't necessarily it's not a high water mark it's not one of the absolutely whereas because i i I feel like this series when it when it was good it was really i mean it was it was great it's just amazing fantastic television Mm -hmm. um and when it was not that it was still just it was still good tv Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that absolutely all right all right well there you go so there are thoughts on leaping in without 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 a net net. (laughs) all right not a net Annette is a person. Annette, yes. Annette. Annette. I don't know. Anyway. I'm just being silly. I know. All I'm right. Doing, I'm on cold medicine. It's, it's you know, Saturday whatever. night. Yeah. Anyway, All right. We're eating burritos. Anyway. So catch Indeed. us on uh, on the Face Space, on the Twitter, <laughs> on the Instagram. Yeah. Make at, sure you say hi to Tom. At Fate's Wide Wheel. Isn't that the guy Tom on MySpace? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Right. Anyway. Cambridge so, Analytica. Yeah, I'm just saying things now. <laughs> right I'm trolling my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, we will catch you all next week. Yeah. But be careful. We're leaping out of here. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. Can't see you never